And sometimes it takes it to another level where it's just based, just kind of just teasing, man. So I just feel like um, right now the state of where women are most acceptable. Tonight, tonight is episode 12 of Conversations with Friends, and tonight we have author Paula Roberts, who is the author of Excessive Debt is a Disease That Can Be Cured. So some diseases aren't cured, but this debt can be cured. And Paula Roberts is here. She wrote a book, and she's going to give us the game plan on working on clearing up that disease and some other things this young lady young lady wears a lot of different hats and she um is a prior guest on the show but she's here today to give some more in-depth stuff about herself as well as all the great things that she's doing in uh reclaiming and helping us reclaim our communities good evening paula good evening good evening <laughs> how's everything i i see my co-host she muted her mic but she's <laughs> definitely here <today. laughs> Hi, Paula. Welcome. Hey, Melodic. How are you? Hey, Q. Hey. So, Paula, um, it's been a little over a month since you were on our last show. Um, and we, you know, we couldn't wait to have you back. And we have you since the book drop. Let's talk about the book. <laughs> we well, well, before we start talking about the book. I would like Paula to introduce herself. Paula, tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow. <laughs> it all depends on who you're talking to. I can be the Paula, the mom of four. I can be Paula, wife of 28 years to my wonderful husband. I can be a nurse anesthetist, which is what pays my bills and what keeps me in the healthcare profession. I've been a nurse anesthetist since 1996, which means I am a registered nurse that gives anesthesia. I practice in level one trauma, as well as I am an independent contractor in outpatient surgery. Um, my passions, my passions are twofold. One, I have a company called Robert's Target Financials. And in that, I teach people that debt is a disease. And that's where I combine both of my professions, right? Healthcare, knowing what diseases are and how they impact people. And then also as a financial coach, I bring that same experience to say, this is killing us. So my next hat that I wear is I am the CEO, CFO, excuse me, CFO and vice president of Sumer Prime School of Healthcare. And in that capacity, I get people working. My, my passion with that is as a healthcare provider, I see the need, I see the lack. We have people moving from the bedside. And I also see a community of people who want and desire to work, but they don't have the skills that's needed to get into those positions. So my school is called Summa Prime School of Healthcare. And it's run by myself and my husband and another couple who is a CEO and a COO, Paul and Crystal Scott. So that's me in a the nutshell. There's a lot to me, but that's me in a nutshell. 
Okay, well, thank you for that. Um, I heard you say that you own a school that you run. Can you tell us a little bit more about the school? Yeah, my school, um, and it's a school of healthcare, right? So we are, we are Summa Prime. And what does Summa Prime mean? Summa Prime means the highest of heights and prime being first. We are here to make a change in our community. We need to work. We need to be in a position where we take back healthcare because right now healthcare is under siege. We're under siege because there's not enough people to work and take care of our patients. So ultimately, who's suffering? And in our communities, we need to be sensitive to who's who we're interacting with. So I can culturally relate to people. I can talk to you about a host of things. I can talk to you like, hey, are you managing your blood pressure? Uh, I, I don't think I have it. Well, let me tell you about Black people and, and, and high blood pressure. Or let me tell you how severe diabetes is in our country. Let me talk to you about obesity and some of the leading causes of it. I can talk to my patients in that facet. And if I am a healthcare provider coming through Summa Prime School of Health, then I can interrelate to my community. Why? Because I know who I can talk to and how to, how to approach them. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Q. Do you have any questions after that? I, w I was thinking, um, because you said that being in healthcare and, and, and our people, you know, it has always been the stigma of us not wanting to have that difficult conversation. Do you find that being able to have those one-on-ones and telling people like, look, you need to be uh, more cognizant of your health because literally you're going to kill yourself. Do you, are you, are you more of a blunt truth person or I know you ain't beating around the bush, but do you do you literally have to tell them like, look, you need to start planning. And then even the ones that you see have a quote unquote disease that's not curable, getting them to understand like, yo, do you have your will? Are your affairs in order? <laughs> Unfortunately, Q, I need to learn to bite my tongue more often because I'm from New York, right? So I'm not blunt and offensive and inappropriate, but let's just say I talk to so many people who are morbidly obese, who have sleep apnea, who are not using a CPAP. My first question is to them is, do you turn purple when you sleep? Oh, I don't know. Well, let me say this to you. Are you tired during the day? And then I explain to them, I say to them, when you have sleep apnea, all the fat stores in your throat, they're closing off because you shouldn't hear someone someone speaking. When you and I are speaking, I don't hear you breathing. You shouldn't hear that. So snoring means that there's an obstruction. So I break it down in just that level. If, if all the fat, you know, whether it's the pillars, whether it's the uvula, all that stuff in the back of your throat, they fall upon each other. So when air is trying to get in and out, it triggers a sound, which means you're moving air. And then I say to them, do you recognize that blood carries oxygen on its hemoglobin? And if there's no oxygen on the hemoglobin, then you can't feed the tissue. So that leads to heart attacks. That leads to strokes. That leads to all kinds of other diseases because you're not taking your CPAP. And I can guarantee you at least 50% of my patients tell me thank you. And at least 50% of them start using their CPAPs because we don't know enough or we don't investigate enough to make those decisions. And no, when people are at the end of their life, I don't say to them, 
is your will ready? But I can tell you, one of the nurses who I work with in the recovery room, she called me yesterday. I'm driving my daughter to New England because she's going to college. And she called me. She said, my husband wants to talk to you. He read your book. All right, cool. So he said to me a host of things. Talk about the Roth IRA, four, four, um, a 401k Roth IRA, asking me the difference. Could he invest? Could, what's the maximum? And then he asked me, should I get insurance? And I said, okay, he's 56 years old. He's doing well because he's maxing out, he's maxing out on his retirement plans. He wants to put in more. And I said to him, insurance is to replace what you don't have left. Mm. Meaning, well, I'm sorry, insurance replaces what you leave behind. Meaning if you have small children, if you have a mortgage, if your spouse is depending upon you, then when you leave, someone has to provide for them. So I said to him, if there are things that you need to provide for, then yes, you need to have insurance. But ultimately, it's her husband, but not her husband. You know, however that works out for the two of them. But he's he's maxing out on everything. He's doing really well in his retirement portfolio. And I said to him, ultimately, when you retire, you should be in the position to self-insure. So we started discussing whole life versus term life. We started discussing employee sponsor, employer sponsored insurance versus having your own insurance. So conversations tend to lend themselves. So I just kind of follow the path. That's great. That's okay. Thank you for that. Um, I do have another question for you. Um, my next question is what inspired you to write your book? What inspired me to write my book? Well, I guess <laughs> if people read my book, the, the, the preface will tell them I was stuck. Okay. I felt stuck. I, I was disappointed in my life's decisions. But the truth is, I didn't even know I was in debt. Okay. I did not know I had a quarter of a million dollars of debt. Why? Because wow. I lived in it. I was on vacation. We, My kids went to school. They had all kinds of activities. I had friends. We were hanging out, partying together. I bought a new house, bought furniture. But I paid all my bills on time. I never had any hesitation about how can I juggle my responsibilities? I didn't have that. Okay. And when my, son, when my son went off to college, I realized I can't afford to put him through school. Mm. So me being stuck, I spoke. I speak to friends. I'm part of this life group ministry. I speak to them continually. I speak to their relatives. I talk to people because once I got out, I wanted to share that information. Right. So that's, okay. that's what I, I well, can't that's reach them individually, but I can reach them if they read my book. Oh. So, well, so, that's great. That's great inspiration. That's for sure. So, Paula, using using the title of your book and then hearing your your story, um, so you you realized you had a disease when you couldn't do for your son the way that you anticipated. Like, yo, I can do it, and then you start going over your finances. Like, oh, I can't do it. So that's when you said, oh, this is a disease that I need to cure now. Basically, um, the interesting thing is. I thought I was doing fine. You know, I grew up in the housing projects. I grew up, I was, I grew up hungry. I grew up where there was a lot of lack. And again, you don't know that you're poor when you're living amongst it because we all look alike, right? We all dress, we all sound alike. We go to the same schools. You don't realize what you don't have yeah, until you get a different environment. So then, so then Paula, so you, you know, you got, you got, you got older, doing well for yourself, taking, taking it, like you said, taking the vacations and, not realizing you're in that situation until you can't 
you know, he didn't get a loan, and now you you like trying to figure it out. Did, how was that? How were you at that point reaching that reality? It was a slap in the face, kid. It, it hurt. It, it it physically, mentally, psychologically hurt because I was afraid. I I was honestly afraid of being poor again. Hmm. And it wasn't just me, right? I had four kids and I had a husband and I grew up in an apartment. I never owned my own. My dad was hard work and he was a laborer. He provided for us, but I was one banana peel slip away from being broke. And this is honest. And I didn't know it, right? Cause you know, you're paying your minimums, you're paying your responsibilities, but you don't realize if we lose a paycheck, we were done. If something happened to one of our children and we couldn't go to work to provide for them, we couldn't live. So that was my reality. And that, and that fueled everything from there. Yeah, it, it, it really did. It really did. And like I said, I'm a part of this ministry and they are just amazing people. Just amazing. And I, I really love them. They're really supportive and we're all like-minded, right? So we all live in Maryland and Virginia, but we're all from the tri-state area, largely. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania. So we are doing this together, very honestly. And when you, you want to be around, around like-minded people, we value it. We're all Christians. So we value God. We value our children. We, we value working hard and we support each other. So it's important that I don't just keep it to myself because it ain't about me. Once you get to a point where you have something that you can share, then that's our responsibility. Amen. Say that yeah. again. So getting out of debt, I mean, at first my husband said, we should tell everybody. Mm -mm. I'm from New York. Talk is cheap. You, you want to do something? Show me the money. You said tell that. everybody? Exactly. No, not initially. Because, you know, people always tell you, oh, do this, do this. But did you do it? Right. You can show me better than you can tell me. <laughs> Hello. So after a year and a half, and it's so funny, some of our best friends, we were, they didn't realize that we were using them. Because instead of going out to restaurants with our children, we started having potluck with friends. Oh, I got the macaroni and cheese. I got the chicken. I'll bring whatever. Bringing a $50 pan of food is a lot cheaper than taking six people out to a restaurant. So we started potlucking. And he was pissed off. And, you know, people don't talk money. And that's good and it's bad. We don't talk money so we don't recognize how we can help each other. So the husband was pissed. He was you know, I need more money. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And she was like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, what is the problem? Why are we fussing? We're here to play spades. And he says, you know, the budget just isn't balancing. And I said to him, why don't you guys come over tomorrow and I'll show you our plan. Oh, we have a million dollar house. So it works. It doesn't matter how much you have in debt. It works. And I promise you to this day, and that was at least eight or nine years ago. They are so appreciative. They are out of debt, except their mortgage. Their kids are out of school with no student loan debt. And they're it's, it's a freedom. And I promise you, it feels good not to have that weight on your shoulder. Right. Absolutely. I'm sure it does. Um, I have another question for you. What would be the biggest gem that you would give a college graduate right out of school? Well, and that's interesting, right? Because we know, and coming from my community, I can tell you that education is, is a difference maker. It's the difference between living 
um, where you don't have vacation, you don't have enough money to make your ends meet. People who have a college education across their lifetime make millions of dollars more than people who don't have that college, have a college education. So college is essential, but it doesn't mean you have to go into debt. And a lot of us do. And I, I, I understand that, but I also honestly believe that the universities and the, the, the creditors, they're implicit. It's, they're complicit. They work together to keep us in debt, especially the middle class. Agreed. Agreed. So I work with healthcare professionals, registered nurses. They have on average a $60,000 student loan debt. I work with mid-level practitioners like myself, nurse anesthetists, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, $200,000 of debt. And the banks are so crafty that they don't just lend you money. They lend you money according to your lifestyle or they lend you money according to your zip code. Because if you're going to be going to school in this area, you have to be in a position to afford it. So then they give you more debt. And this debt is based on 10, 20, 30 years of payments. And ultimately, you have a house in payments, but no house. Medical doctors, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt. And then you got to maintain your lifestyle. So what do I tell a college student? If you're coming out with debt, Continue to live your life like you're a college student. Don't buy the bags. Don't go on vacation. Don't get the car. Hustles. Put all your money together. Pay off your debt. Start your life when you're out of debt. And if you don't have student loan debt, continue to prepare for your financial future. Right. Agreed. Says, how can we get the educators to incorporate financial understanding in our primary schools? You know, that's important to me. And I, I have a plan for that. <laughs> that is my next book um, next year, because I know we have to. It's important that we teach, you know, case in point, one of my colleagues, I worked with her last year uh, over her financial situation. She was getting a divorce. I worked with her and helped her map it out. Now her ninth grader manages the entire family finances. He takes his mom's paycheck. She's a registered nurse and he maps it out. Why? Because she wants him to understand when you want a $500 video game and mommy has to balance the books, it may not work out. So we can budget and save. So it's important that educators understand a lot of educators are in debt too. So they think it's a, a par for the course that debt's normal. It's been normalized. We see it, we want it, we buy it. So Educators have to understand that when I was in school, no one taught you how to balance a checkbook. So educators have to understand that when we show a child the way, they can bring it home and instruct their parents. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. You have another question, Carly? I do. <laughs> you know I have more questions, kids. <laughs> What's the one piece of information this book contains? That you feel that you feel that everyone can benefit from. Ah, you're asking me to pick apart my own book. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much melodic. I, I, there's so much. There's so much that we need to know that we take for granted. There are conversations that I hear in the locker room. Oh, I'm retiring and I have a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, if you don't use your credit card, your credit score is going to go down. Wow. Yeah. I have insurance at my job. I don't need other insurance. There's so much that we need to know. I, I, I can't tell you one thing, but I can tell you if there's questions about life insurance, 
I tell you what the two main ones are and I tell you how to look at them. If your concern is about what is a Roth IRA, how does it work differently from a 401k? It's in there. And I tell you, and all those who are listening who are young, if you start saving only $500 a month, which is $6,000 a year, and that's your maximum in your Roth IRA, and invest it in a mutual fund, S&P 500, invest it there. If you start there at 25 years old, at only $500 a month with 10% compound interest, you can have $3.5 million and you're only contributing less than 300,000. So there's a lot of gems in there in addition right. to getting out of debt. Because once you get out of debt, that's when you're, you start exploding. There's, you start thinking differently because you don't want to go back in. I have not been in debt probably in nine years, except my house. Well, I have two questions here for you, Paula. One is Stephanie said, what is your legacy, your legacy plan for your own children? Wow. Ah, <laughs> uh, Stephanie knows me well. She knows it's my girl. What is my legacy plan? It's not about me, right? It's it's what do we leave behind? And for me, I didn't want to leave my kids in debt. And what people don't understand is when you're in the middle class, FAFSA is not your friend. You should fill out FAFSA. Don't get me wrong, but when my son went to college, we didn't have the option of getting. Um, scholarships. I thought he would get scholarships because he was an athlete and grants because it. What people say, oh, he should pay for him himself. He should have skin in the game. It's not his debt. It was my debt. They said his tuition was $40,000 a year. They said, Miss Roberts, he can take out $5,500 a year for student loans and you can have $35,000 in parent plus loans. So my legacy is I don't want my kids coming out of coming out of college in debt. I didn't have the money to do a 529 plan when they were growing up because I was living, I was surviving, I was being the best mother and wife that I could be. So I didn't have the money. And my husband was an entrepreneur. He was doing his own thing. So we had to stay grounded. But my children have no student loan debt because I'm a hustler. I'm from New York. I can hustle. I, I, I have a goal. I have a plan. I can map it out and I can get it done. So my legacy that I'm leaving is... Now that my children don't have student loan debt, neither will my grandchildren. So when my grandchildren want to go to a karate class, and I don't have any grandchildren yet, but when they want to go to a karate class, if they want to go to Disney World, my children are not saying, oh, I can't do it because I got to pay my, my student loan debt. They don't have that. My son, who at 27 years old said, I'm going to go buy a house. He said his house mortgage payment would have been less than his rent. He went and bought a house within two months. Because he had a plan. And be, so that's my legacy. I'm leaving my kids financially astute so that they know how to map out for themselves and for their children. Well, somebody, that's beautiful. somebody in my comments is calling you out. Will you be doing any book signs in New York, Miss New York? Listen, listen, get me a setup and I'm there. I, I'm, I'm right now, I'm in, I'm in Connecticut going to Boston tomorrow. I'm on vacation. Okay. Arrange a signing. And I told I told someone who, um, who who's the owner of a lot of Section 8 houses in Poughkeepsie, New York, and people aren't paying his rent. He, 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 he wants to support the community and single mom, but people aren't paying their bills. I said to him, have your tenants or buy your tenants my book. You get 20 people to buy my book and I will give you a free one day seminar. Wow. 
And I, I mean, because it's not, just, it's not about the money for me. Right. This, what, what it's about for me is that I educate our community. So I want right. to talk to the churches. I want to talk to the rehab centers. I want to talk to right. the prisons. I want us to have options. I want us to make decisions that are solid for our right. family and our financial future. So, so Paul, let me ask you, Guy and his family, they're, they're stuck in debt. They don't know where to stop. They just purchased your book. They want to join your finance literacy program. What could they do? First thing you do, first thing anybody should do is you should have an emergency, right? Because things are going to come up. Something's going to happen. So you got to have a thousand dollars. Period. Could put I I map out in a whole several five or seven pages how to get a thousand dollars. Sell some things. Hustle. Do whatever you have to do because something's going to come up. And when something comes up, we automatically reach for the credit card. We reach. Here's my here's my card. Put it on here. I'll pay it later. I want us not to give away our money. Right. So, and I think we also have to once you 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 figure out how do you start once you get that thousand dollars. And that should be your first start. Bring your family in on the plan because it ain't about you. When everybody's in on it, because my family didn't like me. I stopped. No vacations. No more eating out. We ain't going clothes shopping. Vacation. If we can't drive, we ain't going. So for at least two and a half years, three years, I stopped it all. My family, they were angry with me because they were used to certain ways in which they lived. But I had to be the main person. So bring your family in. That's how you start. I have two more two more questions. I got one statement you're really going to like. But I have a question I want to ask you, Paul, about that. Is Were you able to show them after that discipline that you put on yourself? Like, look, look what we saved. No, no. Their tuition got paid. So they know mommy. <laughs> right. He knew right. I was out there doing my things. And my kids knew. I mean, I would work five or six days a week. Okay. I have a goal in mind, and not because not because I couldn't make money. I, w- I was I'm thankful for the opportunity to make money. Mm-hmm. So my husband, being an entrepreneur, owning his own business, his numbers are pretty set, right? But for me, I was I was an amazing mom because my family knew what the goals were. We were always goal oriented. So I was the room mom. I was the, I was the, the the carpool mom. I was the team manager. So they couldn't be angry because they knew Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., I was at work. On Fridays, I had to get my side hustle on because I had to bring some more money in for tuition. So all those other days in between, I would get off work at 7 a.m., go into the school and volunteer for two to three hours every Monday because they needed to see my face. So my kids knew that I had to work and they had to work. They had to do their parts. Someone has something to say to you. This needs to be made public for the culture. I mean, that if um, Edmund, I don't know if you saw the beginning of the show. This is the um, the whole premise of why she is doing what she's doing. She feels as though we need to recapture our communities back. And, um, Indeed, this is the service that she provides with doing that. And right. also, and Edmund, you can actually purchase her book on um, on Amazon. It's available now. And Paula is also a financial planner. So you can reach out to her and she can help you. Where can, where can we find you on social media, Paula? Social media. I'm, I'm really, uh, this is, that's my next goal, September 1. I'm already on social media and I'm on social media is Roberts 
Target Financials. Roberts with an S, Target Financials. That's where I am on social media. And I'm really, I know it can impact the community. So I got to get myself out there. I have to no longer hide behind the wall of, oh, it's too much. It's too busy. I know it's the way in which we communicate. And I'm going to do more out there September 1. I'm going I'm, I'm to ask you, and this is this is, it's no, it's no wrong answer with this question. You got 20 adults. You got 20 younger adults. Who would you rather teach your program to? Ah, good question. Good question. My target audience is middle age. From, so from 30-year-olds on up. Why? Because it's about the family. It's about the family because we have parents who are not making it. Single family homes, two family homes, it doesn't matter. We're in a financial bind. I, I have friends who are probably listening to me today because they know I love them and I appreciate their support, who are out there working. And we all, we're working to, to better, better for our, make it better for our family. So my impact is how we can impact people who are 30 and on to make different financial decisions. Because when you're 20, you're kind of, all right, it's all about me. And I think you should. You need to have that time. And I want you to vacation. I want you to hang out with your friends. I want you to buy the bag or something else. But my goal is that you don't do it in debt. Right. There's well, a beauty. Uh -huh. Let me ask you, right? For the, last, for the last few years, I've actually personally have been studying and, and, and getting a better understanding of the wealth gap with us and our counterparts in the country. And for some reason, you bring people the information, you tell them, and they'll look at you like, you don't know what you're talking about. And then you hear about the cost of living, how excessive New York City has gotten. New Jersey has basically ran people out of there. And then you tell them like, look, this is going down. Like it's, it's, it's on right now. And then they look at you like you got three heads. And then you, you, you tell them how, you know, we could try to work ourselves out of it, do make be more disciplined. What are some of the obstacles that you can help us that see it as you're teaching it, see it, and we're trying to help our friends and family? Like, look, you 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 need to start preparing. What are some of the things that you can uh, assist us with that? You know, Q is frightening, very honestly, because we perpetuate our own cycles and. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of things that are happening where our, it's called social reproduction. Again, it's in my book. Um, and when I learned social reproduction about five or six years ago in a, a college class, it hit me like a bomb because it helped me to understand that society has designed for us to stay in our boxes. We've been designed. If you are a blue collar worker, your parents are blue collar worker. The, the school system that you're in, it teaches you along those lines, right? Because you have cultural capital, social capital, linguistic capital, all those things. Your teachers teach you where you are because they have to relate to you. The resources aren't there. But the other side of that wealth gap coin is if your parents are doctors, lawyers, and politicians, you're in, and I'm not, it's not right or wrong. It is what it is. But if they're in that position, then they're, they're socializing you around doctors, lawyers, and politicians. So how do we change that wealth gap? We have to step outside of our comfort zone. We have to, and, and I was telling my best friend the other day, my whole goal in life 
when I was growing up in Section 8 housing was to have a bike and to take a car ride to the Grand Canyon because that's what everybody did in the book. I didn't know anything about owning my own home. I never wanted a car. I never wanted jewelry. I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon like all the other kids in the book and have my own bike. So there's so much we don't know. So when people go like, ah, ah, it's no big deal. We don't know that we can. I didn't know that I could own a home. Right. I didn't know that my kids could go to college with no debt. Because people people even telling me now, my daughter's going to law school, they said she needs to have skin in the game. What does that mean, skin in the game? She worked hard enough to get into the program. And I am in a position where she doesn't have to come, have to come out of school having debt coming out of her ears for the next 30 years. Why would I not help my child? Right. That, that's the, the difference in the wealth gap. Even if it's just reading how someone else did it, how did Oprah do it? How did Tyler Perry do it? Tyler Perry's life was pretty ratchet. Right. You know his story. He grew up sexual, physical abuse. His father would tie him to a fence and beat him brutally. Mm. He wanted to commit suicide. And there was the ladies in the community who I assume is Medea, who was as nosy as anything, trying to fix any, everyone's problems. So in his mind's eye, he started writing. Even in this disastrous situation, he started writing. Right. And if you know the story, he moved to Atlanta and he was like, oh my God, there are black people who are not struggling. There are black people who have jobs, black people who dress appropriately for the education level. And he left school, had nothing but his car, slept in his car, and now he's a billionaire. Right. Most no people, stories. No Jay-Z stories. Sorry, most, you. Most people will find themselves in a hole and, and still be digging, right? I got one thing up here for you. Is there such a thing as starting too late to save as far as age is concerned? That's a good question. Now, the young lady who was in the locker room, 67 years old, tired. She was a housekeeper. She was tired. And she had $100,000 saved in her retirement. And she was excited. For me, I wanted to bite my tongue. And I couldn't. I couldn't. Why? Because if she lived for another 20 years, and the probability is high if you're healthy, that you can live until you're 90. If she lived that long, if you divide... 20 years into $100,000, that's $5,000. $5,000 into 12 months, that's $400 a month she's contributing to her retirement. Social Security pension, she didn't have a pension, but she has Social Security. But ultimately, she had $400, $400 a month that she's contributing from her 401k. So no, it's never too late. You have to start. And even if starting... If you go into any compound interest calculator, there's one on my website, www.robertstargetfinancials.com. Plug in your numbers. Even if you put in maximum, you can, you can invest under 50. It's 19.5, 401k. You can put in $26,000 after the age of 50. Even if you invest for 10 years, with compound interest, every seven years, your money doubles. So it's never too late. Okay. Thank you for that great advice. Um, so my next question is, tell our customers, or tell our consumers rather, why they should purchase your book. Why is it <laughs> mandatory for them to have your book? You know, it's not an education level thing, Melodic. It's not education. 
like I said, the gentleman who called me yesterday who was doing really well in saving for his own 401k, and he's college-educated, white-collar worker, um, there's a lot that he doesn't know. He's asking me about insurance. A young man who I'm very proud of who has his own trucking business. He drives across state, and he's in his early 40s. I've known him. I know, I've known his mom. He asked me, what kind of insurance should I buy? You have people who are doctors, lawyers, politicians who don't know. We can't take it for granted that we can't take it for granted that because I go to college, I know. We can't take it for granted that my mother didn't have insurance. She did fine. It's killing our community. It really is. Compound interest, as Ed just mentioned, if your money doesn't work for you, you can't put it under your mattress. There's so much we don't know. So I didn't take for granted just teaching you how to invest your money. I didn't take it for granted just showing you how to get out of debt. I didn't take it for granted that you knew which is the best vehicles to put your money in. I put suggestions out there. I gave examples. I told you how to buy a car. If nothing else, buy my book so you can buy a car without buying it three times. Ask somebody, please. Anyone here listening to this listening to this podcast, I want you to ask three people, what's your interest rate on your car? I can guarantee 60% of them don't know. Why? They say, oh, I pay $500 a month. My car payment is only $350. What's your interest rate? My book will tell you how to look at interest rates differently. All righty. Thank you for that. So Q, I'd like to know if you have any more questions because I have an exercise that I'd like to um, do. No, no. Okay. So, all righty. Here it is. So, Paula, this is the first time that we're doing this, but I have six words. And with each word, I'd like you to tell us what's the first thing that comes to your mind, whether it's a one-word response or a phrase mm -hmm. um, to give our um, our viewers a better look at Miss Paula Roberts. Okay. So the first, okay. The first word is freedom. Mm. Freedom. When I think of freedom, I think of my father. Okay. And this is very emotional for me. I asked my friends, if you could change one thing, what would you change? And for me, I would change how hard it was for my father. My father was born in 1922. He was um, a World War II vet. He was a sharecropper. He couldn't read or write. So he didn't have the freedom to make those decisions. All my father could do was work to provide for us. So my freedom in having no debt, if I could give that to my dad, if I could give him options, so it wouldn't be so hard for him, that would give him increased freedom to make different decisions. Okay, thank you for that. The next word is American. I am. Okay. The next word is community. Community, ha, huh? community. Community's everything to me. When I went home to Farakaway, I didn't, honestly, and only my core group of uh, friends know this. So all you viewers that are listening, I didn't know community, I didn't know my community would receive me back. 
I had been gone for so long. My lifestyle had changed and I wasn't doing what a lot of people were still doing. And it's hard. It's hard to go home. And I thank you, King, for purchasing my book. But it's hard to go home and not know how you'll be received. But my community opened the door for me. My community of Farakaway Queens, they came and said, Paul, I'm proud of you. They said, welcome home, basically. So my community is the community of America because I want us all to be free. I want us all to have a mindset change. I may not be able to hit even 10%. How about 1%? If I can capture the 1% and make them think differently about debt and raising their children, then I, I, I'm i the winner here. Okay. Malalik, I'm just a, I have a question after you finish with your six, okay? Okay. The next word is independence. Independence. Uh, I, I am. I'm, I'm independent. I, I, I control my destiny. I just left a job that I had been at for 18 years. And God told me it was time to go. What? I got to get going to grad school. He said, it's time to go. So uh, independence means I can control my own. And in three years, and I'm putting it out to the universe, in three years, I am retiring from the hospital. All right. All right. So I'll be independent, controlling my own space. Okay. The next word is family. My family is broad. My family, um, my husband, myself, and my four children, we were nuclear when we went to Maryland because everyone else stayed in New York. So it was hard. It was hard raising my children. It was hard finding childcare. It was hard just having someone to talk to. So my family now, I have an incredible group of women that I hang out with and we're all like-minded, right? We're all about family. We're all about our careers. We're all about God. So my family's vast in, okay. in my extended family, but also it's interesting you say that I'm in Connecticut right now. I'm bringing my daughter to school, as I said, and my mother's cousin, who I haven't seen in 30 years, my mother died when I was three. She found me on Facebook and I just took her to lunch. She, she'll be 80 years old in two weeks. Oh, so wow. For me. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. And the last word, it's Paula. <laughs> I want to look in the mirror and if I'm, I'm my worst critic. I, I didn't read my book until today, Melodic. I didn't open my book and I haven't opened it because I'm thinking, did I spell something wrong? Did I, am, I, am I misguiding people? I'm my own worst critic. So I would like to be kind to Paula. Okay. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for participating. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I was dying to have you back on um, for an interview. And I mean, I, I think this interview was amazing. Thank you so much for the advice that you gave our listeners. I just applied for a new credit card and noticed it is 29.9% interest rate. Now I am afraid to utilize it. Don't. Don't. Right. Don't. Yes. Do you need that credit card? And if you do, something's give to something different. And then also, when you're applying for that new credit card, tell me, when is it due? Right? Because they changed, they changed the dates now. It's no longer once a month. It's no longer every 28 days. Some of them, some of them are every 23 days. 
So know what's going on with your credit card. 30% interest? That means if you use $100, you got to pay them back. $30? Paula, this is a this is a more of a personal question. You know, um, when we... I'm married to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> these, these New York women, I tell you, y'all, y'all are amazing. I, I, honestly, I, um, one of the things, like I told you, with the wealth gap I've been looking at, and then um, understanding what really happened on Jekyll Island, how the banking industry was created for us, and then understanding that maybe, and this is something that I questioned myself, well, well, maybe us as Black people don't really understand capitalism. And I know from the, the interview, you gave us a brief and, and a very good understanding of understanding debt and why not to live in debt. What, what going forward, um, what would you like to do to help us even more? You know, don't, don't tell us all the secrets, though. No, I Keep won't. Stuff close to the vest. No, no, it's cool. It's cool. But, you know, it's interesting. There is a lot that we don't know. There's less than 40% of us own a home. Do you know when you have, okay, let me bring it back. Hit it really personally. Ah, thank you. Thank you for sharing. King, you are the man. Thank you. Um, and I appreciate you, too. So let me say this to you. When I bought my first house, I had no idea about buying a house. No one told me. No one could help me. My husband worked for AT&T. He was an um, IT guy making about $30,000, $40,000 a year. Every paycheck, he put $200 a week in AT&T stocks. He said, we're buying a house. We're pregnant with our second child. And he took that stock money and put 5% down. I recommend more, but he put 5% down. We bought that house for $213,000. We lived in that house for 12 years. When I sold that house, I sold it for more than twice what I bought it, bought, paid for it. Okay. That's wealth. So if I was about to retire or if I wanted to downsize that 200 plus thousand dollars that I made, how about if I use that to put my kids through college? How about if I put that into a retirement vehicle? How about if I, I'm in a position now where I don't have to take out a second mortgage or take out credit cards at 30% interest? That's serious money. We don't know how important it is to own your own home. We look good. We drive well. And I'm not knocking any of that. You can have as many bags as you want. Uh, you can have as many, and each one should teach one. You can have as many purses and BBLs. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying prioritize, get out of debt, save money. I did a, a challenge that my, my, my friends did with me. My friend is still doing, my friend Stephanie still does it. She puts, it was a, it was a challenge where I said, I said, save $15 a day for one year, $15 a day. You have an oops fund, which means if an emergency comes up, you have the cash, you have a savings fund or an investment fund where you can take that other money, which is about $2,800 in each bucket. You can put that into retirement. And then you have a giving fund. You can give it to your church. You can give it to your community. You can give it to your kid's college fund. So doing that, you take that control of how, well, what your money can do. So that's why it's important. We need to know that we need to be in a position where we're investing in ourselves financially, as well as health-wise, as well as 
being in a position where we can pass it on and build a legacy for ourselves and our family. And uh, I have one thing I'm I am so empowered to share this with my family and friends. Um, Leader of the pack, I second your statement. And one thing about Paula that um, sets her apart from a lot of people that we hear talk about financial literacy, she's not talking at us. She's talking with us. Absolutely. And that's, and that's very important because a lot of us don't know and we're babies. And she's literally holding our hand and trying to guide us through this process because the process is humbling, you have to be disciplined and you have to deal with some of your desires of wanting to spend your money because you've worked hard for it, but right. understanding that yo, you can't do it right now that you, you're saving for a better day and for the legacy of your kids and grandkids. So I second what Lita of the Pack said and Paula, you definitely are a blessing to us. And uh, we know we'll see you for the second book, right? It, it, I just want to say something. People always ask me, what should I invest in? Where should I put my money? What stocks? I don't, I don't do any of that. That's not important to me. Right. And I'm not saying that I don't do it for myself. That's not what my, my book is not doing that. My book is teaching you the basics. I'm teaching you if you get out of debt, you can do anything else that you want to do. I'm going, I'm going to Greece in two years. I'm going to Greece for my 30th wedding anniversary. All and right. I'm going to do it strictly in cash. Okay. I can stop my I can stop my fund now, fifty dollars a month, and be in a position where I have at least two thousand dollars to spend or whatever I need to have. I can do that. I can plan and budget my life. So I can't tell you go Amazon, go you know do. I'm not going to tell you any of that. That's not my job. That's not my. That's not my crust was to get you out of debt and help you make good decisions. Right. Practical advice for everyday living. Right. Absolutely. I will say this. So I see a lot of comments coming in and guys go and purchase Paula's book. Purchase her book. If, if you really like what you saw tonight and you would like to get a better grasp on your financial literacy, go on Amazon and purchase Paula's book, Paula Roberts. Thank you so much. Thank you guys both. I appreciate you having me back on your show. Any, any final words, Paula? Cause you know, my final words is, I'm, thank you for teaching our community. Thank you for having this forum so that we can come together and recognize that we're not alone in all this. Exactly. We're not different. We're all the same. We just take different paths. Thank you. Thank you for blessing us. Remember, everybody, purchase <laughs> Paula Roberts' book on Amazon. Excessive debt is a disease that can be cured. Not, not cured. First. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you guys, and until next time, we will see you guys. Um, have a blessed week, and remember, purchase Paula's book. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Purchase Paula's book, and um, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Good night. And sometimes it takes it to another level. It's just based, just kind of just teasing, man. So I just feel like um, right now the state of where women are most acceptable.